0: Gina Della from Pella. Choose five years no interest and five months no first payment or 10-year 2.99 APR financing. Ends August 31st. Set your free consultation today at palawi.com slash radio or 855 pella
1: Live from the Annex Wealth Management Mobile Studio at Summerfest, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give us a call at 855-616-1620.
0: And now, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. That's right, I am broadcasting live from the lakefront. We are in our mobile broadcast facility. Um, I have a wonderful view of Lake Michigan and the Summerfest Lagoon. Uh, Summerfest just opened up a couple minutes ago. A lot of great entertainment on the course of over the course of the day. My advice, as I said earlier, today it's it, it's very very pleasant down here, but it is overcast. My advice would be you do what I failed to do, which is bring that windbreaker out of your car if you're going to be walking around because again, you my guess is you you might need it. There might be a spritz here or two, but no reason not to come down here. I, I will say this. Um Uh, And again, Summerfest. This is a Summerfest unlike any other. It's been been postponed multiple times. It is in September, not of course in June and July. And one of the things that we're we're seeing is I think people are still getting used to the new timing here of this year. In addition, a lot of uh, college students perhaps are are back at school. Uh, The the attendance I would say yesterday, if I was being honest with you, it was light. Um, Don't know what today is going to look like, but there's plenty of room on the grounds. Lots of stuff going on. Lots of great music, and I would encourage you, if you're in the mood, to kind of play some hooky. Play hooky today. Come on down and enjoy Summerfest. Now, we've got a lot of stuff to cover on today's program. We will also be covering what happened this morning on the border of Franklin and Oak Creek. Uh, Sheriff, Ernell Lucas, gave a press conference, and and the details are are sort of convoluted. More is going to emerge with that, but it sounds like there was a guy who carjacks somebody, goes to a Walmart, the person who was carjacked signals that they've they've been carjacked. The carjacker flees, ends up carjacking a second vehicle. Police get involved in a high-speed chase, and then the carjacker gets out of the vehicle and engages in, as has been happening with alarming frequency lately, gets into a shootout with the authorities, with the police, and and he is, the carjacker is is shot and killed. That's That's the kind of Reader's Digest version of this, we'll be waiting for more details that that emerge about this. But yet again, this is apparently the fourth, I want to say, incident in just the last couple of weeks, where you have people engaging in criminal behavior, carrying firearms, willing to either brandish those firearms or actually shoot those firearms at police officers. It is an epidemic out there and I understand that some people want to look at this and say, well gee, why did the police you know, fire? Well, okay, the, 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 the police are being shot at. The bigger question is, what do we do about these individuals? And I don't know about the guy that was killed today, but in general, there are certain patterns, and that is the people who are engaged in this antisocial behavior are people with prior records who are not legally allowed to carry firearms, and yet they do have firearms, and they feel free and comfortable in firing at police officers. That, I think, is the largest issue, as opposed to, why did the police return fire? But more details will emerge, and we will continue to keep you um, updated on that. Alright, I, I, I want to talk about something Summerfest is doing, and my question is going to be, is it Is this the Goldilocks approach? You know, some porridge too hot, some porridge too cold, some porridge just right. Now, as Summerfest has announced, in consultation with the Milwaukee Health Department and also with the bans and the requirements that promoters are putting on, in order to get into Summerfest, you have to do one of two things. You have to show proof that you have been vaccinated, or alternatively show proof that within the last 72 hours you have had a COVID test and that test has come back negative. All right, so that's the requirement. Now, if you get down here and you haven't done either one of the things, you're not vaccinated and you haven't had a COVID test, you can pay $25 and you can get a rapid COVID test so you can still get in. But obviously what they are encouraging people to do is you know get this held in advance. So they have people at the gate who are checking to determine whether or not people have, in fact, been vaccinated or have the the COVID tests. Now, one of the things, obviously, Summerfest is trying to do is balance the fact that we we want to check to make sure that the people coming in are vaccinated or have this negative test versus the fact that you've got thousands and thousands of people who are coming onto the grounds. So the way they they do this for most people, now in my case, since I'm down here all the time, there was this thing that you could do ahead of time where you sent them your vaccination card and then you got this card that says cleared. So all I have to do is show the card and says cleared. But assuming that you're, you're not somebody that's down here on a regular basis doing that, you, you have to either present the card or you have to and they'll take the other your card or they'll take a picture of it on your phone so if you have it on your phone you can show it what they do not do though is they do not make you prove that you are who you are who it says on, on the uh, on the card so for example You know, you don't have to also produce a driver's license or a state ID. All you have to do, if you've got your COVID card that says, like, Jeff Wagner on it, I don't also or wouldn't also have to reach into my wallet, pull out my driver's license, give them both documents, and have the checker then say, okay, this is you, and this is the same name that is on the card. All right? They don't make you, you do that because that would slow down the process dramatically. Now, that does of course, create this possibility that somebody might try to rip off the the system. That somebody might just say... Hey, Jeff, I know I'm not vaccinated. I don't feel like doing this. So would you forward me your COVID card? You know, or would you lend me your COVID, you know, vaccination card so I can go down to Summerfest and get in? And so there is, the way the system is set up, a possibility that it could happen. It is a crime to do that, by the way. It's a misdemeanor if you were to present a false card, um, or if you were to try to falsely get in. So it, it's a crime, but, but, Authorities at Summerfest, they're, they're not doing this cross referencing situation. So it is possible in theory that there is a certain percentage of the people that are coming onto the grounds who are committing a criminal act and, and, and they're getting through. My guess is that is an extremely small percentage. But, yes, they, they are not doing the cross-referencing. Our number, 855-616-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. As far as I am concerned, I, I think Summerfest is taking the, the Goldilocks approach. Now, look, I understand there's some people who said, I don't think I should be vaccinated. I don't think I should have to prove my status. I don't think I should have to have that, that test within 72 hours, so I'm not going to go. Okay, that's that, That's fine. There, there's that element. Then there's the second set of people who says, well, look, I don't you understand that the system can be beat? If, if you've got people that are trying to sneak in and they're trying to lie and they're willing to commit a crime, they're, we're, we're making it easier for them to do that. The third approach, which I think Summerfest is taking, is like the the Goldilocks approach, like I say, which is not too hot, not too cold, is a reasonable thing. All right, look, we're we're going to require people to show that they have the vaccination card or whatever. If people are intent on committing a crime, all right, fine. They have committed a crime, and and maybe they'll get caught. Maybe they they won't. But I just don't think it is practical when you're dealing with thousands and thousands of people to essentially ask the security people to say, okay, you You've got this on your phone. You've got this on the card. But now we want to see another couple forms of ID to prove that you are who you are. I think this is a reasonable middle ground that officials are taking. 855-616-1620. What do you think? We discuss in just a moment.
1: Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ.
2: She ain't messing with no other man. Now what you're not going to do is stand there crush from me like you got Kung Fu. That's
0: cross arm money in my room like a muscle. That, of course, is Chance the Rapper, who is performing tonight at the American Family Amphitheater at Summerfest. The big gig is here, and WTMJ is your home for all things Summerfest. We bring you straight to the stage as we broadcast live every day from the Grouper Law Office's Sports Zone. It's the world's largest music festival and the biggest stick in the state, Wisconsin's radio station, News Radio WTMJ. Well, as I was saying, when, whenever we get into this this thing as whether it 's it 's businesses or whether it's music venues or whether it's sports facilities. By the way, the United Center in Chicago just announced that in order to attend Bulls games or um, Chicago Blackhawks games or concerts there, again, you're going to have to prove that you either have had a negative COVID test within 72 hours or bring your vaccination card, which is the rule that, that Summerfest has. Whenever you, pry, whenever you try to do this, it's always you know going to generate controversy. And my, my point is... Summerfest, I think, has had a reasonable balance to this. Um, they're, they're not in the position of they're going to be like the ID police, where, okay, you've got your vaccination card on your phone. Well, we're not going to believe that that's your vaccination card, so we're going to need to see other forms of identification, and then we're going to compare them, in part because there's a practical effect of that, that you know it's going to take, if you start doing that, you are going to have really long lines to get in. So does that mean, that there may be a certain element of people, a number of people, a certain percentage, whatever that percentage is, 1%, 2%. 5%, whatever, who are going to get somebody else's vaccination card and are going to pass it off as theirs, thereby, by the way, committing a crime. Um, Yeah, I I mean, I guess there's always that possibility, kind of like there's always going to be the people that show up with the fake IDs and, and try to drink and things like that. I'm just arguing that I think that this is a reasonable middle ground. But interestingly, if you look at our text line, there's people all over the map. Jeff. Why do vaxxed people not need a negative test as well? They can still spread it. So this particular texter is saying, well, nobody should go anywhere unless that they, uh, even if you're vaccinated, unless you can prove that within the last 72 hours you do not have COVID. Now, I think that's crazy talk because... Again, you, you can't expect people, first of all, if everybody, anytime they wanted to do anything, had to be running to the clinic to get a COVID test every 72 hours, you wouldn't have enough people to do COVID tests, period. The reality is people who are vaccinated, yes, they can spread it if they are a breakthrough case, but that is the rarity. Does it happen does it never happen? No, but otherwise you might as well just say everybody has to go out and wear uh, hazmat suits. So I think that that's one of the kind of you know crazy things that is out there. 855-616-1620. Jeff, I went to Green Day on Wednesday night. We got there so late that there were no lines. The guy barely glanced at my husband's Vax card that we had on our phone. I could have showed him anything. Why do it at all if you're not really checking them? Well, my question would be if it was a legitimate Vax card. How how do you know that the guy didn't check it? I, I just I, I think you have to have this balancing act that, that is that is there, unless unless you really want to say, okay, come with three forms of identification, and we're going to have to make these comparisons, which I don't think is a real practical. Um, I don't think it's a real practical situation um, that, that people are talking about. You have to have that balance. And my guess is, candidly, I would guess that it is a very, very small percentage of people who are sneaking in or willing to commit misdemeanors by falsely presenting somebody else's vaccination card. My guess is, if I had to estimate, probably 95, 98 percent of the people that were on the Summerfest grounds yesterday either had the legitimate COVID-19 test within the last 72 hours or, you know, had a valid vaccination card. You can't set up security systems to stop everybody from trying to defeat it. You have to figure out how to balance this situation. And and candidly, I think what they're doing makes sense. Yes, will there be some people that try to scam the system moving forward as more venues do this? Because I'm here to tell you that this, this is the wave of the future. If you're not getting vaccinated, you might not like it, but if you're not getting vaccinated, be prepared to have to prove that you, in fact, are, are clear of COVID. This is just where we are going for the next several months. Hopefully, at some point in time, we can go back to some sense of normal, but that's not going to be there now. So then the question is, okay, how much of a hassle are you going to put up with? What do we have to do? How many restrictions do we put in place to try to catch that very small percentage of people who might be willing to commit a crime to try to scam the system? And my only point is you have to have that balancing. Now, in the category of no good deed goes unpunished, this is one of the things I I was noticing the story on the Fox 6 website. Apparently, the Fox 6 was, was doing a story about this. And apparently what happened is a couple members of the Fox 6 crew entered the grounds early yesterday without having to prove vaccination status. Now, like I say, for a lot of us in the media, And if you're a regular worker, you get one of these cards here that says that you're cleared. But apparently they they did not they did not extensively look at the Fox 6 workers, even though they looked at a lot of other people. I'm thinking, okay, and then Fox 6 decides to turn this into a story. That to me is like, okay, no good deed goes unpunished. My guess moving forward is, if it's Fox 6 trying to come through the gates of Summerfest or anywhere else where vaccination's required, I'd say really scrutinize them. I suspect maybe the people at the gate didn't think that the local TV station would try to intentionally undermine the health guidelines. And so maybe they didn't scrutinize them as much as they perhaps should but it's interesting that Fox 6 decided to turn that into a story back with more in just a minute this is Jeff Wagner Jeff Wagner on WTMJ once again we're broadcasting live from the second day of Summerfest 2021 this is Chance the Rapper performing tonight at the American Family Amphitheater all right new polls out and they are not good news for Joe Biden now again you you I understand that that polls very, very controversial. They are also snapshots in time. But just because Joe Biden is not doing well now doesn't necessarily mean that that's going to carry over to the midterms a year from November. But um, that the worm has definitely turned. Uh, Marist poll just out finds his approval rating down to 43 percent. That's down six percentage points from two months ago. And consistent with what other polls are showing, what's happening is Biden is losing support among independents. Um, let's see, in the Marist poll, just 36% of independents approve of his, his job. Um, Democrats still approve of the job. Republicans don't approve of the job. But Biden is, lost, is losing that middle ground. And you're starting to see that over and over again. Now, obviously, a lot of this is because of Afghanistan. But with the explosion of COVID, our, the big argument that I think we're propping up Biden's approval ratings earlier this year, that They thought he was doing a good job handling COVID. Well, now that's kind of up in the air. And the economy. Well, I just heard President Biden address the really bad job numbers that came out today. And he said, well, the economy is doing great, which makes you wonder what he's necessarily looking at. Now, again, this is we're sitting here. It is September of 2021. 2021. The midterms are in November of 2022, and there's all sorts of time for things to change. Obviously, the Biden administration is hoping that people are going to forget about Afghanistan and that this is sort of a low point. I-, I think that that might be optimistic, but at the same time, I also understand that at the end of the day, people vote their pocketbooks. That's pretty much the bottom line. And in general, these next elections, the midterms, are going to depend in many respects on you know what's going on with the economy. How do people people feel about their personal futures and the overall future of, the, company, of the, the companies they work for and the country and job security and things like that. And it's really too early to make a prediction. But as of right now, snapshot of the mood of the country, Joe Biden is losing the voters. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. <laughs> Welcome back. This is Better Than Ezra, who is going to be performing tonight on the Generac Power Stage, which is right behind where I'm broadcasting from at Summerfest. The Generac Power Stage is is new this year. It's the former Harley stage, to give you a perspective. Um, I I got a chance yesterday afternoon to kind of walk around the grounds a little bit. And as I was saying when I had a chance to talk to Summerfest CEO Don Smiley, it's having not been here now for two years, you you can really see some of the infrastructure changes they've made, some of the improvements they've made to some of the these different stages, some of these old dilapidated buildings that are now gone and replaced by new buildings. It's really... um it's it's uh, it's quite impressive. So if you get a chance to stop on down to Summerfest, I, I heartily encourage it. All right, the next story comes from the world of sports, but it's actually sort of a larger story about what people should put up with and, and how we cope. Remember earlier this week there was the story about the two players for the New York Mets, Francisco Lindor, who uh, is their all-star shortstop, who was signed... I think this year, from Cleveland to a contract that this year alone, between the signing bonus and his salary, pays him 43 million dollars this year. He signed a like a 10-year, 341 million dollar contract. Just just incredible money to play a game, and it involved him and. Uh, the Javier Baez, who played shortstop for the Chicago Cubs, who was traded to the Mets at the trading deadline. He's in the last year of his contract. He's getting paid $11 bucks this year. So anyhow, they're, they're, this is the second baseman in the shortstop for the New York Mets. And they are upset because the Mets have kind of gone into the tank. They're not playing well. Um, Baez, in particular, has done a couple really dumb things. And what happened is that the fans have been booing the team. And so these two guys, what they started doing is they started making hand gestures. So every time they would do something good, they would put a thumbs down up on the field, which was their way of telling the Mets fans, here, we're booing you. See, we, you boo us when we do bad stuff. We've done good stuff, so now we're doing this. And the Mets owner and the general manager and, in general, most of the sporting world didn't think a lot of this. The idea was, look, you're getting paid. In the case of Lindor 341 million dollars over 10 years and if you're not performing shouldn't you expect it to get booed now i'm not talking about like this brutal hateful, you know, obscenity-driven stuff, but if somebody wants to heckle, I, I think that they, they have the right to do it, and I think when you make the decision to be a professional athlete, you're going to collect $341 million over 10 years, and you're not performing up to your contract, well, all right, there's good things that come with being a pro-athlete, like you're adored, and you're given all this money, and you sign autographs, and you do all this stuff, and you never have to work another day in your life, and your kids don't have to work a day in their life, and their grandkids, your grandkids won't have to t- work a day in their Life. That, that, that's cool, but you have to understand if you're going to underperform. Well, maybe those people that pay money to watch you, they're going to express themselves, which takes me to the world of golf. There is a professional golfer named Bryson DeChambeau, and if you're a, if you're a, if you follow golf, you, you know who he is. He sort of revolutionized the game because he hits the ball farther than than almost. Anybody can hit a golf ball. And and he just... His style is... Look, he he doesn't play courses in the traditional way. He just gets up there and he whacks the ball as hard as he can and he takes different angles. He's a very, very interesting player. But he he kind of revolutionized the game because he does stuff that that other players can't do. And he's been very successful at it. But at the same time, he's also had some sort of high-profile flare-ups. In addition... In the view of some people, DeChambeau is kind of a jerk. He's outspoken. He complains about a bunch of stuff. He has picked fights with fans. He's picked fights with other golfers as well. And so, again, without saying who's right or who's wrong, he he is controversial for a variety of reasons. So one of his nemesis, a guy who's probably his arch nemesis on the course, is another player named Brooks Kepka. And Kepka and Dechambeau don't like each other. At least that's the general sense you get if you watch golf. And so they've they've been in a couple as far as golf goes some some high profile you know wedding matches between each other and they've they've had comments about each other they just, they just don't like each other okay so that, that's sort of the bottom line of this and there, there's a couple camps in professional golf people who like Brooks Kepka and don't like Bryson DeChambeau and vice versa well here's here's the deal golf typically, golf is played in hushed tones, and and it's always been ironic to me because like baseball, you can be standing there 60 feet, 6 inches away from the mound, you can have somebody throwing a ball at you at 100 miles an hour and nobody thinks anything about the fans yelling, hey batter, swing, 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 swing. No, nobody thinks anything about it. It's you know, booing and yelling and that type, type of stuff just comes with the territory in baseball when you've got a ball coming at you at 100 miles an hour. But in golf, where the ball doesn't move. <laughs> the ball is just sitting there stationary. Pro golfers, apparently, you, you can't make any sort of noise because, heaven forbid, it might distract them. I've, see, I've always thought golf might be a little bit more fun if, if people did you know do a little bit of heckling. But that's a whole other story. So, anyhow, what's been going on with Bryson DeChambeau is he's been playing and, like, right now, they're in the middle of the, like, the season-ending tour tournaments and things like that. And what's happened on the course is there's a handful of fans who, when he's out on the course, not in the middle of his backswing, but after he hits the ball or when he hits a bad shot or something, they'll yell stuff like, Brooksy. In other words, they're making reference to his nemesis, Brooks Kepka. And apparently it is freaking out, DeChambeau. Big story in the Wall Street Journal today talking about how now the PGA Tour has issued a no-tolerance policy for disrespectful outbursts, quote-unquote, that have haunted Bryson DeChambeau all summer crowds following him apparently have been shouting Brooksy 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 and now it's the point where he now has sheriffs that are following and PGA officials that are following him and they're saying that anybody who would dare to yell something like this well you're going to be tossed out and maybe you're going to be prosecuted our number 855-616-1620 that is the AcuNet mortgage talk and text line now nobody I don't think anybody, regardless of of what profession you're in, I mean, nobody should be subjected to, there's a degree of abuse. I mean, if somebody is obscene and they are screaming things in your face and stuff like that, I, I get it. There's a limit on this. But these professional golfers in general, and DeChambeau in particular, the mere fact that somebody in the crowd, after he's hit a shot, not to distract him, but just to throw him off the game, somebody will yell, Brooksy, and it freaks him out. I think at some point in time, don't we have to tell these folks to kind of, hey, grow up, you're making millions and millions of dollars, you know, playing a, a sport. Um, and at some point in time, if, you're, if your ego is so fragile that you can't take, I don't know, a little bit of criticism from the crowd and again i'm not talking about screaming obscenities or stuff like that but this chant of brooksy apparently has this guy completely freaked out Eight five five six one is the ACUNET mortgage talk and text line pga tour is saying we're cracking down on all this to me maybe you should say to these players hey you, you, maybe you need to recognize that you have to have a little bit of a thicker skin what do you think Eight five five six one six one six twenty. we discuss in a moment
1: Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ.
0: And once again, this is Better Than Ezra performing tonight at Summerfest on the Generac stage right behind where I'm broadcasting from. The WTMJ team is broadcasting live from Summerfest throughout the festival when our team isn't on the air hanging out with fans. They're grabbing a bite at Major Goolsby's located near the Briggs and Stratton big backyard or at Major Goolsby's downtown dangerously close to the Deer District. WTMJ and Major Goolsby's come see us at the world's largest music festival. I'm kind of intrigued by this story because I I think every Everybody who's ever been to a sporting event knows that there are fans who cross the line. They, they go too far. They, they shout obscenities. They shout racist things. Things like that. Those people should be tossed out. Aren't, no question about it. But this is from the world of golf. Bryce DeChambeau, who is a controversial figure in his own right, he's been having a situation where uh, fans apparently follow him around and they yell the name of one of his arch rivals, Brooksy. I mean, it's not racist. It's not obscene. But apparently it's gotten to his head. He's freaking him out. And... And as a result, now the PGA Tour is saying, well, we're, we're going to toss out people that yell disrespectful things, to which my point is, at some point in time, if you're going to be a professional athlete, don't you need to have a little bit of a thick skin? 855-616-1620, that's the More Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let's start with Mark in Marshfield. Mark, you're first. Good afternoon. Uh,
3: good afternoon, Jeff. Um. Uh, my uh, my opinion is, uh, the golfers. are you, you mentioned
0: uh,
3: uh, three hundred forty-one million. You're talking about the golfers, especially. Yeah. Uh, they need to uh, suck it up, act like men, and uh, and do their thing. And uh, uh, as far as uh, having police around in that, uh, there, there's no need for that. Just um, you know, they're, they're going to get heckled. You get heckled that. Uh, uh the <laughs> Brewer's games by the big, by the Cubs fans. It's unbelievable what goes happen.
0: Oh yeah, no, no. Thanks, thanks for the call. Come, come look at look at my look at the five six hundred texts I get a day. And you know, most people love it, but but it, it's one of the things that comes with when you're a semi-public figure. Now, again, um, you know, one of our texters is saying, Jeff. I originally thought you were talking about the gallery yelling during the swing. No, that that's that's a completely and totally different thing. No, I mean it, it's one thing if you know you're you're in the middle of your swing and somebody's screaming out in an effort to distract you, even though you can argue that, gee, why are we so quiet during the golf game? is that any different because if you can yell at a baseball or a or an NBA player who's at the free throw line and think of think of all the things people were yelling at Giannis as he was getting ready to shoot free throws and stuff like that uh, but in, in, in golf okay you're, I get it look I'm a golfer I play a lot you're not supposed to yell and try to distract people during their swings but that's not what this is about this guy is freaking out because when he's on the course people are yelling Brooksy, which is freaking him out because obviously that's one of the guys who's one of the of his arch rivals and nemesis and the pga tour has now said well we're going to stop people from doing that 855-616-1620 doug in st francis doug you're on wtmj good afternoon
4: hey good afternoon thanks for taking my call I have, a, sure. I have a different spin on this right so when you look at team sports if you're having a bad game you have other team members that can bring you up and can help right if you're having a bad game it can go unnoticed if the team wins anyway and you have a guaranteed contract so you're getting paid in golf if you don't play well you don't get paid and if you don't play well you don't get sponsorships either right so i think to me people are just you know yelling brooksy is is a general lack of respect for another individual and i don't know if this is a societal issue it seems like it's coming you know it, it's becoming more and more prevalent that if people don't like who you are or what you say, they have they feel like they have a right they can say anything to you just because they perhaps bought a yeah, ticket. But-
0: Okay, but but is 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 this saying anything? Let me me just say, no, no, no. Is this saying anything? Now, if if you were saying, if they were screaming obscenities at him, or or racial slurs, or things about his, you know, I don't know if he's married or not, his wife or his kids or or whatever, that's one thing. But if you're putting yourself out there as a professional athlete, do you seriously believe that you should then be immune from any sort of criticism at all from the fans who are paying the tickets?
4: Well, well, to me, I've been at many, many major golf events here in Wisconsin. I've been to the Masters several times. And Mm -hmm. you have a few of these, I'll say, disrespectful people that probably were never an athlete in their days that ruin the events for others by saying that that kind of stuff. It's petty to me, and I think there's really no place for it, especially in the game of golf where it's an individual sport, and if you don't play well, you don't get paid. The PGA Tour is absolutely correct on this one.
0: Thanks. I appreciate it. I guess I'm just sitting here thinking that um, at some point in time, you know, our – and look, and I, I appreciate that we have had a general coarsening of society. I, I get that people say things today that, in, and part of it is the internet. You know, people have this anonymity that they think they can say whatever they want, you know, to, to anybody, and that they're they're going to be protected and stuff like that. And, and I've never been one that's going to come out on the side of, of bad, you know, behavior. But at the same time, if you are a professional athlete who's making millions of dollars. I think you need to have a reasonably thick skin. You do not have to in my opinion be subject to, you know, ab- abusive you know, late language and, and threats and all sorts of personal stuff. But at the same time, if you're going to, I don't know, you know, pick foo- pick fights, if you're going to be controversial in your own right, I don't think that that gives you the right to say, well, I, I can say I can pick a fight, I can say I don't like this guy or I can do this or whatever, and then how dare anybody criticize me when I'm playing golf. See, I just, I don't think you can have it both Ways And the fact that the PGA Tour has now decided, okay, we're going to try to protect this, and we're going to tell fans, well, all you have to do, you can only give that kind of polite golf clap and things like that. We don't want you to say anything that might upset some of the particular players. To me, it's like, okay, just, just, and I understand, it's an individual sport instead of a, a team sport, but just at the same time, you know, I don't know, if you're one of these guys, you're playing baseball, and you're mired in some incredible slump, and you've just struck out for the fourth time in the game, and you're walking back to the dugout, and you've got everybody screaming at you, or heckling you, or whatever, I mean, I I, I don't know, that the, the players, I'm sure they don't like it, but they just kind of take it, I guess professional golfers, or at least this golfer, feels a different way, back with more in just a minute, this is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. We can dance if we want to,
1: we can leave your behind, cause if friends don't dance, and if they don't dance, well, no of mine.
0: Well, this is Jeff Wagner. That is Men Without Hats, of course. That's what the safety dance, I think that's their song. They are performing tonight at Summerfest. They are at 6 o'clock this evening at the Biggs and, Briggs and & Stratton Big Backyard. So, you know, check that out. Um, one of the things I know that Summerfest is trying to accomplish with um, the the three days instead of the, you know, consecutive forecast is, is taking acts that might otherwise have been playing like at 10 o'clock and have them playing early. And men with hats, 6 o'clock this evening. Very, very cool. You know, I have been watching with with horror, you know, everything that's been going on in the East Coast as the remnants of Hurricane Ida hit New Jersey and New York City and and just had this devastating thing. One of the the reasons why the death total has has escalated is that there are so many people in, in New York who live in basements. I, I remember I, I first noticed this phenomenon the first time I was in, in Boston when I was in college. And there's all these people that, that live in, in basements, I mean, underneath the ground. And apparently in New York City, as a general rule, it's not legal to do that. But what happens is people, people do. And they don't have enough code enforcement people to catch the tens of thousands of people who live in these basements. And what ended up happening when you had this, this massive flood, you had people that were down in the basements and there was no way to get out. The, the things it started to flood there was only you know one way up which was the stairs and, and people couldn't make it which is one of the reasons that people ended up dying it's it's again an example of people who never thought that this behavior—hey, I'm going to live in a basement with no exit uh, other than the staircase because you're never going to get one of these huge floods. And then the huge flood comes along and people are unprotected for it. We need to learn more, I think, and we need to do more to protect our infrastructure moving forward. Um, because I do think you're going to have more weather events like this. This is just um, this is just inevitable. But you look at what happened. to These people who are living below ground—hearts got to go out to them. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner, WTM.
1: Live from the Annex Wealth Management Mobile Studio at Summerfest, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, here's WTMJ's Jeff
0: Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. Once again, broadcasting live from the lakefront. It is day two of Summerfest 2021. Um, The weather is very nice, uh, but if you're coming down here, I would encourage you to bring a jacket and things like that because the weather's a little bit, it's, it's overcast and things like that, but certainly nothing to keep you away. All right, I have been blessed in my life. That I because I do not have what I would describe as an addictive personality I you know it's I, I've known people over the course of my life that whether it was things like gambling or um, alcohol or other sort of stuff that, that their personalities were such that they, they very quickly um, you know became addicts of different things and then had to work with trying to you know deal with that I, I don't have an addictive personality which isn't to say that you can't go out and maybe especially when I was younger go out out one night and have too much to drink or things like that, but I mean the the type of things where you develop the the overall life sort of problems that are out there, but I've always been sensitive to the fact that you know when you're talking about people who have an addiction to drugs or people who are alcoholics or people who gamble too much th- th- you know these these are very real issues that, that need to be dealt with and i have always applauded people for recognizing that there were problems and there were issues and then taking them on now this is a way of introducing this next topic there are a number of republicans who are are looking at running for governor against tony evers who's already announced that he's running for re-election the election will be next November. All right. Um, one of the uh, candidates who is has all but announced, I think next week, she's going to make her formal announcement, is former uh, Lieutenant Governor Rebecca Clayfish. So she's going to announce that she's running. One of the other people who is considering throwing his name in the ring is, is maybe not as much of an everyday name, but if you're familiar with Republican circles in Wisconsin, uh, you, you would know Bill McCoshin. I, I um. I first met McCashen. In the mid '90s, um, he was he was Tommy Thompson's guy, and he was the head of the Department of Administration, and he was he was you know instrumental in the various campaigns that that Tommy Thompson ran. And then over the years, he's been a lobbyist, etc. But he's one of the people who's talking about again getting involved and running the campaign, running for governor. He's, he's 56 years old right now. So the story that appeared in the Journal Sentinel the other day by, by Dan Vice, um, let me read you a portion of it. Republican lobbyist Bill McCauschen put out a a five-and-a-half-minute video this week to introduce himself to Wisconsin voters as he prepares for his likely run for governor in 2002. In the video, McCauschen talks about his family, his work for Tommy Thompson, his passion for hockey. Um, Looking back at my arc of my life, I hope people will say the guy made a difference. That's what I'm all about, getting positive things done. But then... Bice points out, well, it's not all sunshine and roses. Back in 2008, McCaution, then 43, now he's 56, was cited for disorderly conduct in Stillwater, Minnesota for urinating publicly inside a local tavern, and then going outside to finish relieving himself in a planter in front of the establishment. McCoshin appeared to be extremely intoxicated based on the smell of an alcoholic beverage coming from him, his slurred speech, glassy eyes, and the fact he was having trouble maintaining his balance, wrote the police officer in Stillwater. McCoshin was arrested, spent a couple of hours behind bars in the county jail, ultimately paid $700 by a local judge. The misdemeanor charge was then dismissed. Okay, so he does this back in 2008. So you're talking about 13 years ago. In a statement that was issued after Vice presumably called him to say, hey, we're breaking the story. McCoshin says he regrets his action that evening, called the 2008 incident the most embarrassing night of my life. He then goes on to say, but it was also a life-changing moment for me. McCoshin wrote in an email, everyone who knows me knows I have not had a drink of alcohol in 13 years, and now they know why. He said, I'm more concerned about how my current and future actions impact others in my life than about how a single, regrettable, embarrassing event in the past could impact any potential political considerations. Okay. So I mean here here you have the story and let's let's it's up front there he's not denying it anything like that he says yep he said uh, 13 14 years ago i was involved in this thing it's not like i was drunk behind the wheel of the car or anything like that but yeah i i ended up doing this it was embarrassing it was stupid and you know what i use this as a kind of a life changing event i'm kind of I mean I'm interpreting a little bit but he says look I, I recognize this was a sign that I had, had a, I had an issue here and I did not I have not had a drink since then. All right, our number is 855-616-1620. That's the acunate Mortgage Talk and Text line. All right, l- let's let us tee this up. All right, this is the incident happened 13 years ago he acknowledges it says look this was something really bad it was a life changing sort of thing and i have not had a drink since then this was kind of like my rock bottom and a lot of times people with alcohol or drug problems or gambling problems or whatever you know they'll they'll tell you that you know you you need to have I don't know. You need to have that one, that sort of one moment, that moment of clarity that tells you, hey, I've got to make changes. And McCaution says, that this this was it for me. So 855-616-1620, that is the acunate mortgage talk and text line. How do you react to this? This is a guy who wants to be, or presumably is considering running for governor. Is this a disqualifying event? Does this make you think less of him that he was involved in this situation 13 years ago? 855- 616-1620, that's the in at mortgage talk and text line I will tell you my, my take on this is, is actually for everybody out there who might say oh this is terrible I, I actually and and I'm I'm not a friend of Bill McCosh's, I, I really I probably haven't talked to him in 15 20 years but I look at something like this and I say you know what people are human people make mistakes people do dumb things, the question to me isn't has somebody made a mistake, the question is has somebody learned from that mistake and then made the necessary changes in their life, so I look at something like this, do I think, oh my gosh you know, you, you can't vote for somebody can't somebody can't run for governor because they had this, this incident that by the way didn't result in any sort of criminal convictions but that's, that's neither here nor there I look at something like this and say y- you know what, I actually applaud people for being able to recognize that there's issues in their life that need to change and then having the intestinal fortitude to go ahead and make the change 855-616-1620 we discuss in a minute what do you think this is jeff wagner we're broadcasting live from summerfest
1: you're listening to jeff wagner on wtmj
0: That is, of course, Guster, who is performing tonight from Summerfest at the Johnson Controls stage. We are broadcasting live from day two of Summerfest. Hey, it's also time to close the door on the NL Central. The Brewers are red hot as they welcome the St. Louis Cardinals to American Family Field for a holiday weekend set. Mr. Baseball Bob Euchre gets our coverage started tonight at 635, sponsored by Steinhoffel's Labor Day sale. Okay, 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I'm curious as to the reaction. You you probably, unless you've been involved in in politics um, for a long time, you probably don't know the name Bill McCashan, but he's been a political operative for a long time. He is looking at running for governor and the Journal Sentinel runs a story about how in 2008 he's in Stillwater, Minnesota, and he's drunk and he pees in the bar and then he goes out and pees in a flower bed and he gets cited for disorderly conduct and he pays a $700 fine and the charge goes away. And McCashan, he owns it. McCashan says, yeah, look, I this um, I'm not proud of this said a bad time in my life but you know I have not had a drink since this happened in 2008 so h- how does this play out from a political perspective from my perspective I-, I guess I look at this and say yes this is embarrassing but I give people credit Republican Democrat or whatever I give people credit for recognizing that you no know, there are issues that people that come up in people's lives the, the question is is how you react to them. 855-616-1620. Let's start with uh, John on the north side. John, you're on WTMJ.
5: Yeah, okay. Thanks
3: for taking my call. Um, Hi, John. You know, I don't drink or smoke. Yeah, hi. I don't drink. uh, You hear me? Yeah. You hear me? Yep. Okay. I don't drink or
5: smoke, but I think they should give that man a chance. He got a right to run? I mean, he made one mistake. Come on. You know, I mean... I am against drunk and driving, you know, but the guy made one mistake, he admitted to it. He got fined for it. So what are you gonna you hold him back the rest of his life for that?
0: Well, yeah, thanks nice for the call, John. And by the way, th- this isn't a drunken driving thing. Th- this is, he, he's he's drunk in a bar, and he engages in behavior that, as he describes, is, is embarrassing. It's disorderly conduct. It's all these sort of things. Uh, okay, and, and yeah, and he's not a kid. He was 43 years old when he did it. But, I mean, again, reading between the lines, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but I, I think he's saying, hey, he, he had a problem with alcohol. A- and this was kind of like that low moment. And maybe, again, like a lot of times, the, the phrase you use is, is a moment of clarity. That's what, in a lot of people who have dealt with substance, you know, ab- abuse issues, and I don't know what Bill's situation was, but they say, hey, you, at one point in time, sometimes you have this moment of clarity where it's like, oh my God, you know, I- I've got to turn my life around. And whether that was an appropriate thing or not, eh, whether that's the appropriate description, McCaussian says, I haven't had a drink since then. This was the kind of a low moment I learned from this. And I mean, I think people deserve credit for that. Sometimes I think collectively we're all way too, um, way too judgmental on things because none of us are, are perfect. Okay, let's go to. Is it Mesh in Kenosha? Kenosha. Uh,
3: good afternoon, Mache. Hi.
0: Okay, hi. Yeah. Mache. Hi. On it Welcome is, to the show.
4: My viewpoint on it is every single one of us in our past. I'm sure we have dealt with that. Are there? Some of us have been brought up in the limelight and we're caught. Some of us are fortunate enough not to have an arrest happen this has mm-hmm. occurred like you said years ago in this man's past i said give him a chance my goodness we can't be judgmental problem with politics is is we separate ourselves between republicans and democrats
0: the people mm-hmm. in our
4: government so would represent everyone right. i feel that but if they- they- someone give a chance
0: yeah, th- th- thanks for call, Marsh. I, I, I appreciate. It. Look, here's the, look, look, here's one of the things too. The the problem is that this, and this this obsession we have with with gotcha stuff. And I'm I'm not going to criticize the Journal Sentinel for running this story. Okay, but but the the problem I have with all this stuff is you. It, it makes people who might otherwise be good public servants. It it. It makes them think, I don't need this kind of aggravation. You know, it, it's kind of like, look, and I, I'm not endorsing Bill McCosh for governor, nothing like that. But, but at the same time, you sit there and you say, all right, I, I'm thinking I'm, I'm 55 years old. And I'm thinking about running for governor. All right, I'd like to get involved with this. Okay, what's going to happen? Oh, well, you know, there was that, you know, when I, when I was drinking 15 years ago, you know, I got busted in that thing in Stillwater, Minnesota, and I had to pay the fine, and I had to explain to my friends and my family, all this type of stuff. And if I decide that I'm going to run for governor, this stuff is going to come out, and then I'm going to have to be held accountable for this. And it's kind of like, okay, does that really say whether or not that you would be a, a good governor governor of the state of Wisconsin in 2022 or whatever. But I I think it's that kind of stuff, and it's that that scrutiny. Now, look, I I understand. It it depends. If you're talking about somebody who's, you know, did eight years in prison after being convicted of sexual assault or something like that, that gets different scrutiny than somebody who who ends up getting drunk and doing something like really, really stupid that doesn't hurt anybody, but I'm not condoning it, but it's just kind of embarrassing. And I appreciate what the caller was saying. At at some point in time, you know, None of us are perfect. We have all done things that I I think we would probably, at least, I I, I don't know anybody that's perfect. We've all, everybody I know, including myself, have done things that over the course of your lifetime, you know, you don't necessarily, you don't want to have to say, oh gosh, yes, that's right. When I was 24 years old, I I did, I did that and, or or whatever. But now that's this idea that, okay, it's going to be this gotcha sort of thing. And there's going to all be these people saying, well, look, you know, you ended up doing that 13 years ago. 855-616-1620. Mike in Illinois. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon.
5: Good afternoon,
6: Jeff. How are you doing?
0: Hi, uh, hi, Mike. I'm well, thank you. What do you think?
6: I think absolutely what you said and the other caller said. Um, he made mistakes 13 years ago. Uh, I'm sure the embarrassment he suffered was more than enough. Nobody got hurt, which is, you know, very important, um, and he absolutely, should not affect him at all.
0: Yeah, I mean, right, thanks for the call. I I appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, here's a text from one of our listeners, Jill. The honesty, integrity, and insight it takes to face addiction, to accept treatment, and again, I I don't, I, I don't know I don't, to my knowledge he hasn't come out and talked in, you know, in detail about this ever but he, he said look I, I recognize that I had a problem and I understand that you know this is the last time I, I had a drink so I mean I, I, don't, I don't know exactly what the particulars were but obviously this is the type of thing that I think wakes up a lot of people anyways she says the honesty integrity and insight it takes to face addiction to accept treatment and the strength to remain sober is more telling of his character than what got him there um okay um, I uh, oh, she I, I said what her, her first name was so I'm not sure I want to read the rest of this but in any event she talks about you know her her own you know issues with addiction and things like that and I, I mean I, I think people, Again, people make mistakes and we have to understand, you know, what what is the what is the significance of the mistake and do they in fact learn from it. Jeff, we've all done stupid things in our lives and the day's not over yet. I think I think uh that's an element of that as well what can you say in any event i mean people are going to have to decide but i thought this was kind of an interesting story because we are we are collectively so very very judgmental and i think that there's a lot of us that are out there a lot of people that are out there you know just waiting for people to to fail and that's okay people fail but maybe we should also applaud when those people who failed are able to kind of pick themselves up recognize that there's issues and then overcome those back with more in just a minute this is jeff wagner
1: you're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. You're...
0: This is Guster as well, performing at the Johnson Control Stage at Summerfest this evening. This week's sponsor for the Jeff Wagner Home Improvement Showcase, yes, it's back this fall, is its presenting sponsor, our friends at Great Midwest Bank. Thanks again to Great Midwest Bank for being such great partners. Great Midwest Bank, your simply local, equal housing home renovation lender. Well, um, I think somebody yes, it might have been Scafidi, you asked me yesterday, what, what did I think was going to happen? Was it more likely that Milwaukee had a new mayor or a new police chief? Well, it looks like we're getting closer to the police chief. The, the, Milwaukee has not had a permanent police chief since August of 2020, when the then comprised Fire and Police Commission illegally sacked... Um, uh, former police chief um, Alfonso Morales and and since then it's just been a complete and total cluster members of the fire and police commission have been replaced ultimately apparently now we're moving closer to it because we haven't hired a a full time chief but the acting chief Jeffrey Norman who was by the way passed over he was one of the guys that didn't make the cut the first time the then fire and police commission tried to find candidates to replace Morales well anyhow um, acting police chief Norman has been invited to be the sole applicant for the city's next permanent police chief. Now, I, I have no trouble, no problem with, with Jeff Norman being the police chief. He's been a, on MPD for 25 years. He, he's, I think, well respected in the community and with the officers. I, I am just thinking though that this is just quintessential City of Milwaukee and Milwaukee Fire and Police Commission. Instead of simply saying, he, he's our guy, here's your job, he's going to be the sole applicant. And so we're, we're still going to make you go through all these different hoops and stuff, but we're not going to take applicants for anybody from anybody else. The positions been vacant for over a year now i mean just if he's the guy just say he's the guy give him the contract let's move on for goodness sake jeff wagner on wtmj i'm getting- We are broadcasting, once again, live from Summerfest. That's Chris Jansen, who is performing tonight, 10 p.m., at the U.S. Cellular uh, Connection Stage. So come on down, check it out. Like I said, lots of people down here at Summerfest. If you're coming down, especially this evening, my advice would be, you know, bring a sweater or bring a light jacket. There's uh, temperature down here. It's right around, it's in the mid-70s right now, so it's pleasant, a little bit overcast, and every once in a while, it it spritzes. There's no long-term forecast of heavy rains or anything anything like that nothing to keep you from coming down and enjoying enjoying everything that Summerfest has to offer okay now we've been talking a lot about Summerfest the Brewers are at Miller Park big weekend you've got the huge Harley rally we've got I mean I'm telling you there there's stuff going on here you're gonna have Harley riders from all over the country who are coming here and by the way it is also you know Labor Day now historically Labor Day has also been an, an interesting day from a business perspective you have a lot of businesses for example that that have Labor Day sales you know you go to the mall or whatever you watch TV you listen to radio you'll, you'll hear you know ab- businesses advertising the Labor Day sale for this or that or the other thing one of one of the things that historically over Labor Day has been big has been the purchase of of cars i mean historically Labor Day weekend has always been one of the biggest selling weekends of of the year, for for new cars, and it, and it just is because okay, summer's over, so now people are focusing. Okay, I'm I, I need I, I want I need a new vehicle for winter is coming on or whatever or maybe there's the, the one model year is ended and you want to, you're want looking for deals hey, I, the 2022s are going to be coming out soon if they're not out already maybe I can get a deal on the 2021 or maybe the 2022 is already out and you want to get that so anyhow, that's that's been one of the big things for car dealers, Labor Day weekend has been big and if you can remember back in the past, by the say I past I mean not this year and not last year but before that, the, the radio airwaves the TV airwaves would be filled in the days leading up to Labor Day with this Labor Day sale that Labor Day sale or whatever um no not this year because for the second year in a row and there's a big story about this in the Wall Street Journal um if you're out there looking for a new car it's kind of a, a bleak prospect um, for, for trying to, to buy a car. Now, historically, like I say, there's been blowout deals, big sale events, um, as as dealers try to clear out the old stock to make way for the new inventory. But, but that's not happening this year because, as a matter of fact, there, there in many cases, not all cases, but in many cases, there, there's just hardly any inventory to sell in large part because the manufacturers aren't able to produce enough new cars to meet demand, in large part because you've got the chip shortage and things like that. And as a result, what you see is a lot of car dealers who are starting to pull back on on advertising. You see car companies pulling back on discounts. You see dealers increasing um, prices for for the new vehicle. And in some cases... For some of the more popular, higher-selling, higher-demand models, you even see um, buyers who are ending up paying above the, the listing sticker price in order to get the car. All right, 855-616-1620. That is the Academic Mortgage Talk and Text Line. If you're a regular listener to this program, you know I, I'm fascinated by you know popular culture and, and trends in, in life and the economy and things like that. If you're in the market for a new car right now, what are you doing? Are you going to the car dealerships? Are we... Is there that run? Are we competing for the new cars? Are people being driven into the used car market? Or is this a situation where maybe you're saying, hey, look, I'd really like a new car. I kind of need a new car, but I'm going to try to make do with Old Blue for the next few months, and hopefully inventory is going to increase, and hopefully we'll get through this. I mean, as we go into Labor Day, you know, 2021, for people who are in the market or considering that they might be in the market, for a new car sometime soon. How are you handling this? 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text line we discuss in just a moment. Back for more, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. I can fix
5: the drain, pour it on ice, mix it on up and get you feeling right. I can get you much.
0: Once again, that is Chris Jansen performing tonight at the U.S. Cellular Connection stage down here at Summerfest. Uh, He is on at 10 o'clock in the evening. let's well I'm going to get to your phone calls in just a moment but you know it's really interesting cuz we were talking about th- this is typically this is a big weekend for like labor day sales and it's been one of the, historically been one of the biggest weekends in in the new car market simply because lots of dealerships trying to clean out their old inventory in advance of the in this case the 2022 models coming in but but they're they're sort of pulling back dramatically this year interestingly kind of related to that there's a story journal sentinels announced they are not printing a Labor Day newspaper. They're combining the Sunday and Monday print editions into one newspaper that's going to be delivered on Sunday, September 5th. Now, I think that's interesting because, again, like newspapers are struggling for print advertising to begin with, and we've talked about that before. But, but this, you know, you can remember you get the Labor Day, you get the Labor Day newspaper, and there'd be all these different ads for all the different sales, including lots of car sales. Well, okay, th- this year apparently that demand is so low that the news. You know, we're not even going to bother putting out a newsprint edition in uh, for Labor Day. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. Let's start with Tom and Wilmot. Tom, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon.
5: Hi, Jeff. How are you?
0: Hi. Real well, thank Hi, you. Okay, to, tell me your story.
5: You know I, I bought a new car yesterday, and uh, I went shopping. I was in. I'm looking for a higher end car. I went to a Lexus dealership. I also went to Toyota. Lexus The one dealership I went to Had no inventory They put me on a list For 2022 And then when I went To the Toyota place The salesman Who I spoke with He was He was lamenting That he only had Five new cars A lot
0: Right Were you able to find One that you liked Then you said you ended up Buying one
5: Yes, I did. I found an Avalon at the Toyota dealership, and they had to. When I went to the dealer that I had, they only had two. They were both red. I wanted a silver one. He said they could swap. The guy at the, uh, uh, the Lexus dealership said the Lexus dealers were not swapping. That they had what they had and they were going to have to go with it. But this dealership mm-hmm. was able to get me a silver Avalon.
0: Okay, so you were you were kind of you were sort of lucky, but it took. I mean, it wasn't like it would be in the past where you walk in and you've got your choices of colors and you've got your choices of models and everything. It was just okay. This is what we have, and we'll try to work stuff out. And um, it, it's definitely a different world, isn't it?
5: Yeah, very much so. The the, the salesman said he was lamenting his own job because he said, yeah. I don't know what I'm going to sell in a couple of weeks because he only had five new cars on the lot. He said, usually he has 150.
0: Yeah. No, thanks for the call, Tom. I I will. You know, it's interesting. I uh, 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 earlier this summer, I, I emceed a golf event. And and sitting at, at the, the table, one of the organizers was a really nice guy who runs one of the local car car dealerships in the area. And we were talking about exact, exactly this. He said, you know, it's, he said it's never been never been like this. We just we just can't get new vehicles now. He said the only redeeming grace is everybody's everybody's kind of in the, in the same boat. So it doesn't really matter what you're selling. It's it's not like gee, if you want to buy X car, you know, we don't have X cars, but you can go to the you know Y manufacturer and they'll have them. I mean, it's just it, it's an across-the-board sort of problem. Jeff, I just purchased a new car two weeks ago. It took about two months to find what I wanted. Not my first choice of colors either. My old blue had almost two hundred thousand miles on it. Thought I could maybe get a thousand dollars for it. They gave me thirty-five hundred dollars for old blue. That made a difference on the sticker price. Well, yeah, that, that is the flip side of this because as new cars become harder and harder to get, what what you have is that there, there's more demand for for old cars. I have. A, I have a, a car, um, it's a 2017, and I've had a couple dealerships reach out to me saying, hey, are you interested in selling the, the 2017? You know, we'll, we'll give you a top dollar for that. And my point has always been, well, no, because I appreciate the top dollar for that, but I, I still, the car is running fine, and if I got rid of the 2017, I'd still need to get another car. Mike in Whitewater. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Hello.
5: Oh, hey, Jeff. Actually, it's Mark in Whitewater. Mark, um, Okay. I ordered uh, Yeah, I ordered a uh, Chevy Trailblazer on June 1st. And at that time, they told me it would be anywhere from three to six months. Uh, I did hear from the dealer a couple weeks ago that the uh, uh, car is coming in from South Korea. And it had arrived in California, and now it's in Chicago. Uh, I have friends that ordered a uh, Buick. It took them six months to get it uh, here in Whitewater. So I mm-hmm. guess if the car is built overseas it's General Motors, uh, you, you will get it within a certain amount of time. The ones built in the U.S., though, I guess, are lacking the chips, like you mentioned. So I guess my story is I did negotiate the price. I do have patience, and I'm awaiting delivery of my uh, Trailblazer RS very soon.
0: Yeah, no, th- thanks for call. Well, you know, thanks for call, Mark. You know, it's, I think we, we mentioned that there's a story in the Wall Street Journal about a month or so ago talking about how, in some respects, the 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 model for for buying cars is changing a little bit i don't think we're there yet to a more european model in, in europe typically what'll happen is that the dealerships don't have a wide range of inventory. What you do is you you go in and you you order a car, which is then made for you, and then it gets delivered in a month or two months or, or three months. You know, in America, it's been more like, hey, you go in. What's the dealer inventory? You can always order cars, but lots of people like they they like that immediate gratification. You go in, you look at the cars that are on the lot. Hey, I, I like that one. I'm going to buy that one. It might not have all the features I like, but I want to drive home today or tomorrow in it. Um, one of the things. That they're saying is that that model might be changing a bit, but there's still look. There's a lot of people, though. I acknowledge it, who, who don't want to have to wait four or five months or whatever to get their car. Tom in Bayview. Tom, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon.
2: Hey Jeff, thanks for taking my call. Um, sure. I actually work for a Toyota dealership in West Dallas, um, and it's you know it's interesting. Uh, humans are creatures of habit, so you know a lot of people walk in. Oh, you don't have any cars, and then leaving it. It's not necessarily the case i know seeing is believing is you know a hard thing to get over but you know toyota specifically has has a lot of inventory just because they were able to navigate the chip shortage but what's happening now is you know a lot of dealerships um you know are selling vehicles before they even arrive so you know it's kind of disappointing for a potential customer to come in and say oh well you know i need a car in two weeks three weeks you know so that kind of negate mm-hmm. a new car sale but you know then that's where you know a used car would come in um but again you know when people are looking at pricing and stuff like that you know again i want to make sure my customer is getting the best price absolutely because you know if at the end of the day sure. i'm selling a car to dealerships selling a car so it's interesting how people are kind of looking at it and and i think part of our jobs right now are kind of re-educating people saying hey you know i understand you know we don't have a lot of cars on the ground that's why we can't give you such a great discount but your used car you know as your previous car i right. know my two hundred thousand mile car i was hoping a thousand dollars i mean used car trade-ins are
0: bonkers mm-hmm. to put it oh, so, oh, okay so, tell so give uh, me it's, an it's, idea it's let's say a, l- let's say i'm in the market for your, your toyota a rav4 so i i come in today and say I, i'm interested in a a silver rav4 and these are the features that i want on it how long am i probably realistically going to have to wait to get that vehicle
2: Uh, realistically, probably three to four months. Um, and again, that's obviously if everything, if everything goes, uh, you know, perfectly. I think a lot of things that people aren't looking at too is, you know, your previous caller said a lot of cars are made outside of the United States. A lot of Toyotas are made in the United States, but what's happening is once a car is produced, who are you going to hire to bring it to your dealership? So, uh, labor <laughs> shortages in the ports and transportation companies are, you know, also also affecting. It, it's, it's, uh, you know, almost becoming a, a perfect storm, if
0: you will. <laughs> how, how how long have you been in the industry, Tom?
2: Uh, just over a year, actually. Um, okay, and it's All uh, right. it, it's been it's been great. But I mean, if you were to ask me this question twelve months ago, i would have been like. Well, no, I, I work at the largest Toyota store in the state. But we're not going to yeah. run out of cars.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, th- th- thanks for the call, Tom. I, I appreciate it. Yeah, look, and I don't, I mean, I just find this, again, it's an interesting thing because this is, again, this this Labor Day in is different than a lot of other Labor Days, but but this is actually, it's one of the reasons, because the, the, the big Labor Day sales and stuff. And, and yeah, and look, and I, I understand it all balances out. I, I do... I do think that you are going to see a change in in consumer behavior because I mean here, here's one of the things. In some respects, for the car dealerships, uh, it is an advantage to them and for the car dealers not to have to have 200 cars on their lot. I mean, one of the things a lot of times I think that would drive some of the the big sales at the end of the at the end of the model year, for example, is. Um, maybe you've got some cars that are in, in the odder colors or, or whatever, or, or who don't have all the features or have too many features. You know, they're, they're not quite in that sweet spot. And then one of the things you would have is the dealers, you know, would have an incentive to move these cars. Hey, we've got that. We, we've got that, you know, brown car, and I, I hate to pick on brown if you love brown cars. That, that's great. But we, we've got that brown car, and it's, it's not really a, an in-demand sort of color. So, you know, we, we're going to cut a deal to get rid of this particular car that's been on the lot. Well, I mean, in many respects from the dealership, it, it's much, much easier if they are find themselves in a situation where we don't have to have this huge inventory of cars on the lot. We can just have somebody come in, and we, they can know that, hey, you know, just if, if you need a car, you're gonna to have to wait for, for three months, but at the same time we're going to be able to get you a vehicle that, that has everything you want. It's going to be in the right colors. You know it's going to have the different features you want. The question is, you know our American consumers going to be comfortable with that. Bottom line is if you're wondering, well, gee, it, you know it does seem a little bit different. Why, where are all these ads for car dealerships? It's because they, they just especially when it comes to new cars, they don't have the inventory to sell. All right, when we come back, First half hour of the 2 o'clock hour of the program, special nine eleven related programming. I, I'm off next week. I'm doing a listener trip. Um, so since nine eleven, we have spent one segment of the program every year remembering 9-11. I'm not here next week, so we're going to do that segment coming up right after the news. Stick around. It will be interesting. I guarantee it. This is Jeff Wagner. We're broadcasting from Summerfest on WTMJ.
1: Live from the Annex Wealth Management mobile studio at Summerfest, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, here's
0: WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back. We are broadcasting live from the lakefront. Now, I will be the first to share with you, so I want to confess, honestly, this was... This was not my best example of planning. See, yesterday, the opening day of Summerfest, I was kind of looking at the weather forecast, and I was thinking, well, you know, sometimes down at the lakefront, it can get a little bit chilly and stuff, so came down here yesterday, blue jeans, you know golf shirt i was wearing like one of my like pullovers on top of it and, and candidly it was hot i mean it, it was just it was hot so of course i'm going to learn from my mistakes so today it's like well i don't want to have a repeat of that so today i'm in my nantucket red shorts and my like golf polo and um huh and of course i, I left my windbreaker in the car yeah who's going to need it i don't want to have to lug this around and stuff well it's a little bit chillier here. Um, no reason not to come on down here. But as I've been saying all day, it's, um, it's right now there's a little bit of rain. Not a lot of rain. It's kind of a weird day. It's like sprinkling and stuff. But if you're coming down here, um, you might want to bring, bring long pants or bring an umbrella or bring, a, again, like, that windbreaker or the light sweater or stuff. Uh, don't do what I did, which is come on in there. But, again, it, it's fun. And, you know, I was just talking to my colleague Eric Bilstadt, who's going to be doing Wisconsin's Afternoon news later on today you know I I will tell you the crowds I'm going to be honest the crowds for a reason yesterday I think were lighter than a typical opening day and today again my my just sense walking around quickly between the breaks and stuff is um, it's certainly not packed this is if there's bands that are playing this is an incredibly great opportunity to see those bands I mean there's I mean this and the Summerfest lineup as Don Smiley said yesterday when we were having the conversation the Summerfest lineup is just absolutely um stacked. Um, you know, no no doubts about that at all. Um let's see, Jeff, I was there yesterday. I'm gonna to come today. Cargo shorts and a hoodie is the way to go. Well, I wish I had one of my hoodies. <laughs> I will say that, but you don't know what it's gonna be like. This is Milwaukee, Wisconsin in early September. You don't know what it's gonna be like two hours from now. All right. Um the anniversary of September eleventh is coming up. It is a week from tomorrow. Ever since the first September eleventh, two thousand one. We have had a tradition on my program that we we devote a little bit of time to talking about remembrances. Now, you might say, Jeff, why aren't you why aren't you doing? Um, this you know closer to september 11th well I'm, I'm on my one of our wtmj listener trips so i'm off all next week i'll be back uh, a week from from monday but what i wanted to do i did not want to let especially the 20th anniversary of september 11th go by without devoting at least one or two segments of the program to it there are certain events that happen in the course of people's lifetime that you always remember where you were. Um, my, my parents, um, if, if you would ask my parents. Where they were when Pearl Harbor was attacked, December 7th, 1941, they remembered it, and to their dying days, they remembered it like it was was yesterday. Um, I can remember, if you are of a certain age, I was in first grade on the day that uh, President Kennedy was assassinated. That was one of these seminal events that people... If you were alive then, you remember where you were when you learned that news. There's been a couple other events like that as well. The moonwalk was certainly one of them. I mean, if you, I I think, you know, I I will, I mean, I'll never, I vividly remember sitting and and watching the the pictures from, you know, Neil Armstrong when he steps out uh, on on the moon. You, You remember those things. And I think clearly for almost all of us now, September 11th 2001 is one of those sorts of days I mean if you were I mean probably you know if you've been born you know uh, well I I don't know you know if you were five years old or older you probably remember September 11th but at the same time there's also a lot of people that were born after September 11th 2001 who really it's just it's an annotation in in a history book and they forget what that was like to me, September 11, 2001, on the one hand, it seems like it was yesterday, and on the other hand, it seems like it was forever. All right, our number, 855-616-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. What is your most vivid recollection of September 11, 2001? Eight five five six one six one six twenty. Maybe it's where you were. Maybe it's the the aftermath of that. I mean, I've told this story before. I had friends who were in Hawaii, and they were scheduled to come back. And they, you know, of course, there's a huge time difference between, uh, you know, here in Hawaii. And, you know, they, they, they called to make sure their plane's on time. And then, of course, they're, they're told, no, all the flights have been canceled. What do you mean the flights have been canceled? Sir, turn on the television. I, I had another friends who were actually on their way back from Europe. They were in the air, and their flight got diverted to Newfoundland, where they spent uh, a week because you couldn't get back into the country. Eight five five. 616-1620. Back with your recollections. Where were you September 11th, 2001? What is your most vivid recollection? This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ.
1: Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. <laughs>
0: 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. That is Leon Bridges performing tonight, 9.30 p.m. at the BMO stage down here at Summerfest. We're talking about recollections of where were you on September 11th. I cannot believe it, it will have been 20 years, but it has been. Jeff, um, my biggest recollection is watching the second tower get hit on live TV. I thought it was a replay of the first tower. I, I remember that. I, I mean, I was, I was at home getting ready for the radio show. And I, I remember that my my wife called. My wife yelled over and said, "You know, there, a plane flew into the the World Trade Center." And and I guess at first we, we didn't process. I didn't realize it was a commercial aircraft. I mean, I was thinking this was like some private plane or something, an aviation thing. And then all of a sudden, you see the the plane hit the second tower, and you know that it's something much more than that. Nick in Brookfield. Nick, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon,
4: Jeff. Good afternoon, Jeff i i was a uh, junior in high school and my teacher got a phone call in the classroom and he got this weird look on his face and he immediately turned on the tv and we were watching the fire from the first building and then the second tower got hit and so yeah i saw it live and then i was kind of just glued to the tv for you know days after just watching all of the what was going on and
0: I'll never forget it for the rest of my life yeah no Nick thanks for calling you know I, I just when when people ask me about my my career doing you know hosting a, a radio show and and there there are a couple seminal events and, and you know we, we talk about you know some of the political elections we 've obviously been talking about the pandemic and stuff, but none of it really pales in comp- it all pales in comparison to to september eleventh and i always I, I mean i just i mean I vividly remember there were so many different you know things to analyze and things to figure out and stuff that we didn't know. And I mean, I, I can just remember. I mean, it went on for weeks and weeks and weeks, obviously. And that's that's all that people could talk about. How could something like this happen? You know, you know what happened. You know what what else? What's the next shoe to drop? Scott in South Milwaukee. Scott, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon.
3: Um, good afternoon, Jeff. Um, I was I was at work that day and I was on the phone. With a vendor over, it, who was over in Europe, and the guy also, I was, I was, um, chasing down a container, an international shipping container, and the guy says to me, just out of the blue, I'm watching the BBC internet site, the BBC news inter- internet site right now, and the World Trade Center was just was just hit by was just hit by an airplane, and I'm like, what? And then I, I don't, and then I just kind of we ended the conversation, and I um went to. What, I just went to one of the internet sites, news sites. I looked at it. I'm like, sure enough, the World Trade Center has been hit. And then I just, I just remember driving home from work that night, and every single gas station along the way, there were, were was packed with cars, whatever that were just leading out into the streets. And I, and, and then I remember whatever the next day, whatever driving to work, taking that same route, and it was, and it was like a. Um, it, 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 it was like a ghost town. so people were that. Yeah, completely empty. Scared.
0: Yeah, Th- yeah. No, thanks for the call Scott. I mean, it was just—it was—it was just an incredibly weird time. And and then, of course, you know, you—it's you, the images of the plane hitting the second building, and then after that, it, it's the image of, of the tower collapsing. I, I mean, my my goodness. Um, let's talk to Randy in River Hills. Randy, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hey,
6: Jeff. Thanks for doing this, by the way, because I think it's important to continue to uh, remember things uh, as they happen. So uh, I lived, uh, I was living about three blocks away from the Trade Towers in New York City, and I was just waking up kind of at a late, late night the night before, and I heard this sound getting louder and louder towards my building, and then my building shook, and I thought, oh, my God, something hit the building. Went outside. And right there is the towers, and I can see this perfect outline of an airplane, as everybody else saw, smoke coming out. And I was like, "Who the heck flies into a, pl- a building on a clear yeah. day?" And I ran yeah. back into my apartment, and I did every good Midwest boy does, right? I called mom, and I said, <laughs> "You got to see what's going on." And she was watching this, and we were watching it together. And I said, "Mom," I said, "I think this is a terrorist attack." She said, "Randy, why would?" And just as she said that, the second plane hit and our my tv went out were a lot of satellites up there on top of the 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 trade tower and then i proceeded to just evacuate from my building going through that sea of people and uh managed to get to a spot probably about 10 blocks north and was hiding out and i remember fighter jets are going overhead you can't really get a hold of anyone on the phone and i thought wow this this is how the world ends it's like mass chaos and uh at that moment these photographers were set up that you got to see this, the buildings are coming down, and I didn't want to see it, and all I could see was my apartment disappear in a dust cloud, and you know how you remember these weird thoughts from when you're, all I remember mm-hmm. was, oh, oh, oh darn it, I left, I left yeah. the window open that thought is still in my head to this day. So, uh it was one of those life-changing moments that we can never forget.
0: Um how, how I I mean, what, what was there ever a point where there got to be sort of could you, were you were able to get back into your apartment? Was there ever any sense of normalcy after that?
6: No, uh we were out for about a month, but I managed a uh, time uh the person I was with was a veterinarian and uh, we managed to find a way where the one of the rescue people said, well, we're going to need support with animals. Uh, you can get back to your apartment, but you have like 10 minutes, to, you have like five minutes to get whatever you want. And I remember just, imagine somebody tells you, go into your apartment, yeah. you have five minutes to get the <laughs> phone, <laughs> my laptop, yeah. some clothes. And then another thing that stood out is right before we were leaving, the guy said, do you have anything in your fridge? I'm like, what? He said, dump it all. What are you talking about? Yeah. So went back in and we had just bought up to meet Matt and with a big garbage bag, loaded everything in the fridge and freezer, dragged it in the dark down the hall, and put it in the compactor, dropping down. I thought this is gonna be a disaster. And he was right. I mean, we were out of power and we are out of that apartment for three, four weeks.
0: Well, Crazy. thanks for the call, Randy. I appreciate it. And, and again, see, this is the thing, and this is one of the reasons why I do these segments because it's been twenty years. And, and I understand if if you're a, if you're a teenager listening to this program and you're going, like, "What are these people talking about?" Well, this was this was a seminal event in so many of our lifetimes. Whether it, and again, there's there's a handful of them: um, the, the the Kennedy assassination, you know, the attack on Pearl Harbor, which is before my time, the moon landing, maybe one or two more, the Challenger explosion, something like that, but. but But this 9-11, 20 years ago, but for those of us who who lived through it or watched the pictures of it, um, very good friends of mine, they were in Washington D.C. and my, my buddy used to commute to work and he'd go to the Pentagon. And of course, you know we 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 don't we don't we talk about the twin towers and stuff, but of course there was also there was the attack on on the Pentagon, and then there was you know flight ninety three, the uh, you know plane that was hijacked after leaving Newark, and you know what you had is you, you had the where the passengers stood up and and, and fought back and the plane ended up crashing. You know, you, you you have that situation because, I mean, the word got out that they think they were going to try to fly that into the Capitol. This, it was an amazing time. And the way this country came together... After nine eleven for this kind of brief shining moment where we were able to put politics a- aside, and you know President Bush had universal support and, and, and you had Rudy Giuliani the ma- think about this people who, who look at Rudy Giuliani right now and think, okay, this is th- this crazy guy and stuff well, he was america 's mayor you know at, th- there for you know standing up for New York city it was just it was an amazing time so, so here 's the bottom line of all this uh, there will be a number of remembrances. You're going to hear them. I know on our radio station. You're, there's also a, a number of, of television programs. I, I really encourage you, particularly if you have if you have children, I encourage you to sit down and watch these programs with them because 9/11 to me cannot be allowed to just be relegated to the dustbin of history. It just it, you know, we we have to. Again, continue to make sure that younger generations understand that this happened at a time when America thought that it was invulnerable, that we couldn't be challenged. Well, I mean, there's a lesson of 9-11 that I think is, is as viable today as it was 20 years ago, and that is that you need to be prepared because, I mean, the worst can in fact happen. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ.